0: Welcome to Tales of Moxie. I'm Desiree. And I'm Jenna Lee, and we're your hosts each week. Each week we interview women to hear their stories, and we address topics that don't usually get talked about so openly. Be ready for honest and raw
1: conversations about all the things we're struggling with as real women.
0: This week we'll be talking with Melissa Flickinger. She tells all about her struggles with alcoholism through her life and how perspective changed everything. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. You can find her blog called Perspective Changes Everything at PerspectiveChangesEverything.com on Twitter at at Perspective805 with her blog link there or her Facebook page, Perspective Changes Everything.
1: Welcome to the podcast. We are really excited to have you guys. Um, Today we have Melissa Flickinger and you're kind of a cousin of mine in a way. So I, and I got to meet you We walked around the lake probably, it was probably like three years ago. Yeah, yeah, and I heard your story and it was, it was incredible. You've been through a lot and you have quite the story and it was very inspiring to me. So I'm excited to have you on and I know that you've inspired a lot of people too. So I'm just going to kind of let you share your story so that I don't miss the key points. So if you don't mind just briefly sharing your story and telling us your moments.
2: Okay, well, um, first, thank you for having me. And um, yeah, I think um, my story surrounds, um, you know, my struggles with alcohol and um, some drug addiction, but mostly my alcoholism and, you know, my battles through just learning to live a life of sobriety in a world where, I mean, everything is just surrounded by alcohol. Um, It seems like in this day and age, you just, you can't do anything um, even go to an amusement park where you're taking your kids without people having to have a drink. Um, and for somebody who struggles with, you know, substance abuse or, or alcoholism, um, it makes it very difficult to live in this world. It really does. Um, so my story, um, you know, I grew up in this small town where we're sitting right now, basically. And, um, You know, there wasn't a whole lot to do when we were growing up, Um, partying, going down to the riverbeds. That was all pretty normal. And I would say that I had a few incidences in my past that, you know, some sexual things that had happened when i was 13 and losing a very close family member my grandfather when i was younger all within the same year i think really changed who i was i was in eighth grade which ironically now i teach eighth graders um so i you know i i I was at that pivotal point in my life, I feel like, um, where I was trying to figure out who I was, where I fit in. um, And I just chose a path, um, a group of friends that was, they were doing the, the cool things, so to speak, you know, which now when I look back, that really wasn't the cool stuff. That is definitely the things that I don't want my son to do now to think he's cool you know um so i you know went to high school barely graduated high school um and spent kind of a year just wandering had signed up for college classes but didn't really um you know pass any of them um dropped out of a few of them and was really just drinking and smoking a lot of weed um, drug use um, within that and I just really had no direction Um, for me God has been a big part in my recovery and I didn't know God at that time Um, I grew up in a family and and no fault of their own but I grew up in a family where my grandmother was um, had raised my my dad and his siblings Catholic and then when my dad was 16, she converted to Jehovah Witness, mm-hmm. and my mom's family grew up in Utah until my mom was at, like seventh, eighth grade, and then and they were Mormons, and then they moved here. And so really, it's like, who is God? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I had no idea. Um, there were so many different images of who God was supposed to be or, you know, um, ideas. So I didn't really have God. I think I had a fundamental belief in God. Um because when my grandfather died, I remember writing in a journal how much I hated God and I was so mad at him. Um, so I must've had that fundamental belief that there was, you know, a power greater than myself. Um, so back to kind of my story, um, you know, I was, I was lost. I had no direction. I didn't really have like a moral compass, so to speak. Um, and I just continued on, um, somehow, uh, got on a softball team at Cuesta and that really helped give me structure. I'm one of those people that needs structure, mm-hmm. um, in order to function. And I was still, you know, my alcoholism wasn't really out of control at that point. Um, in fact, in high school I didn't drink too much. Um, I, I was always like the sober driver. Um, well, sober, so to yeah. speak, <laughs> you know, I was, yeah. you, you know, you I was smoking joints and yeah. stuff, but you know, I, I, I for some reason, you know, I, I was still, you know, I wasn't drinking and driving. That was a choice that I, I definitely didn't make. Once I reached 21, I had been playing softball. I had been going to school, um, you know, trying to kind of do those things, putting one foot in front of the other, you know, mostly because like, that's kind of what my parents expected of me. Mm -hmm. I had nothing else to do. Um, let's just do this and, you know, kind of keep them happy. And, um, which is good because that, you know, got me to where I am today. Um, so I, I did that, got to the age of 21. Drinking probably started picking up around then. Um, I started having anxiety and panic attacks um, right before I entered Cal Poly. I got accepted to Cal Poly and um, went through some psychotherapy, and a lot of it was weed-induced panic mm-hmm. attacks, marijuana-induced panic attacks, because um, I had been smoking weed for a long time and, Religiously, basically. Um, And I stopped doing that, and then the drinking kind of took over. It took its Mm -hmm. place, you know, and and that's very common for people that struggle with addictions. You substitute one drug for another. So I always kind of you know shake my head when I hear people say well you know I was a drug addict but you know I no longer use drugs but now I drink and it's kind of like well you know yeah. you're just kind of you know substituting one thing for another so that kind of happened and I really went through I i, I don't know how but I, I got through Cal Poly I put my head down I, I got things done I was drinking party, like probably every other college student was doing mm-hmm. you know and, and you get through school and um, I actually graduated with um, a B average, which was better than I ever did in high school and um, especially at Cal Poly. You know, I, I was doing what I was supposed to do, and, and I was motivated. I had a long-term boyfriend, and we ended up doing, as soon as I graduated from Cal Poly in 2004, um, you know, we we ended up getting married, and we were more like party buddies. mm You know, we smoked and we drank and we, you know, did other recreational drugs together. And that was, like, the basis of our relationship. And he was very comfortable um, as far as safe. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was so just lost in what I was supposed to do um, because I felt like what I was supposed to do was go to college, get married, buy a house, have kids, you know, Mm -hmm. you get the job. Like, you're supposed to just follow this, you know, track of what society expects of you, what, you know, my parents expected of me. And, and, and that was my own mistaken, um, I think ideas about what I was supposed to do, but I also had no, no real direction. Like that's just what I had. And, um, shortly after that, we ended up getting a divorce like nine months later. And part of that had to do with, um, me just going out and making some really bad decisions. And, um, you know, I ended up going, um, meeting my son's father again. Um, He was somebody that I knew back in high school. um, And we kind of reconnected. And it was just one of those relationships that I was so sick in my disease at the time, um, that I really couldn't be anybody's girlfriend Mm -hmm. or wife or what i i really couldn't um it was kind of going through the motions um but i ended up pregnant my son was definitely an oops but he has turned out to be the biggest blessing in my life you know god obviously knows what we need Mm -hmm. better than we do um and i mean to make that part of the story real um kind of short my alcohol drug addiction, all of that just went out of control. And before Wesley was born, um, since Wesley was born, I got into recovery. You know, my parents kind of stepped in um, and they just said, you know, you have a baby now. He was about three weeks old. You have a baby. Like you need to, you know, get your life under control because as soon as I could drink, you know, I was drinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's Mm -hmm. when your family stepped in. Yeah. So it was about, he was about three
1: weeks old. What was your, was your husband What was his thoughts on it at the time?
2: Well, he was drinking too, but I mean, I wasn't supposed to be drinking. Yeah. Okay. So that made our situation very difficult Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, he was part of a band and our life was very fast. It was that go to the bars, he plays at, Mm -hmm. you know, level four downtown or the Crooked Kilt downtown. And, you know, we're doing those sorts of activities, but yet I'm not supposed to drink. Yeah. And so for somebody like me, who's an alcoholic, I mean, at the time I Mm -hmm. wouldn't call myself an alcoholic. I, I was, but I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And um, it made it hard to be in those situations. Yeah. Wait a minute, you can go out and drink and, and mm-hmm. I can't. So it, it caused a lot of um, stress in our relationship. But at when Wesley was um, four months old, I finally um, moved out and I got my own apartment, got into recovery. I stayed sober for 11 months and then I relapsed it was a one day relapse I was back with Wesley's dad my husband at the time we had gotten married and um you know just a simple courthouse nobody knew kind of thing you know it the whole situation was just not ideal Mm -hmm. it was a mess which completely reflected my life at the time and um so it was a one day relapse I and and Wesley was not with me um, I got back on the wagon. I stayed sober for like another 15 months and then I relapsed and um, then like four months and I relapsed. I had four relapses during the time Wesley was born and the last relapse was was the worst. Um, I was at a place in my life, it was a two-week relapse and Wesley was staying uh, and and my husband at the time um, was staying up at my parents house. I had kind of gone a little out of control um, with my drinking. Um, I know I'm an alcoholic. I don't care. Mm, Okay. You know um, you're gonna drink. I'm gonna drink and at this time I had actually started going to church and I was we my husband and I were seeking help through a church and with a pastor and his wife and we're part of a community group. And, you know, I was trying to kind of discover my relationship with Jesus at this time, um, what I believed and um, you know, trying to find some strength through him. Cause part of the program of recovery is a power greater than ourselves, you know, who is God to you. And so I was on a journey also to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And, um, so my two week relapse, um, you know, a lot of drinking, a lot of smoking, a lot of anger. Um, I don't care. And I reached a point where I just no longer wanted to live. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I couldn't live with alcohol. I couldn't live without alcohol. I couldn't be a part of this world. Um, sober. I, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. how am I ever going to have fun again? Um, you know, I, I, All of my friends drank. Everybody that we were around drank. I mean, that was our our social circle. I mean, I'm going to be like this outcast. And I didn't see how much my drinking... Like, people didn't like to be around me when I drank. And I mean, I it was just always a fight or it was stupid decisions and actions or embarrassing things that were told to me the next morning that i didn't remember and um just lots of bad decisions going on and i decided to take a bunch of pills um on september 16th of 2012 and i sent a text to the people closest to me and said i you know i I'm sorry, I just can't do this anymore. And um, I love you and take care of Wesley. And um, at the time, looking back, like I can't even imagine being at that dark place again. It was a very, very dark place in my life. And um, I don't remember how it all went down. I remember waking up in emergency um, with my sponsor at the time next to me, um, holding like a, a jug of charcoal And I was drinking it out of a straw. They were making me, like, chug this charcoal stuff. Um, And I remember puking, and um, that is kind of all I remember, um, except that I woke up the next morning in um, the San Luis County Mental Health Facility, and they had 5150'd me Mm -hmm. in there. And luckily the next morning when I met with... um, And the counselor there, um, and actually let me back up a little bit because one of the most significant parts of being in that, um, hospital setting, they had us go out and go to breakfast and I was sitting there at a table looking at, you know, I had a tray of food in front of me, looking at all of these people that were, that were in there. And I was just like, this is what my life is going to be if I don't change and I knew what I had to do. I had been to enough meetings. I knew the program of recovery. I had been sober. It was just about me reaching that point that, okay, I'm ready." Mm-hmm. And it took what it took. you know unfortunately, for some people, it you know, they never get to that point. Their bottom is death. Mm-hmm. and um, we have a say, a saying it's either you know jail's institution or death. And there I was not in an institution mm-hmm. and um I met with the counselor after um, breakfast and I kind of talked to him about what was going on. I talked to him about my past and sobriety, just about how I had been feeling the last two weeks. And he actually um, gave me a recommendation based on the fact that, you know, I, I was a, a teacher and I, you know, was holding a job. I, I wasn't that typical person that you see go in there and um, he let me go. He, he On his recommendation, he released me. And, um, I, from that point on, I, I, that next morning, um, which happened September 17, 2012, which is also my mom's birthday, um, which for her, and of course was not the best yeah. birthday present. Um, however, every year that I stay sober now on her birthday is a gift that yeah. I get to give her. And, you know, I, I have walked, um, a different path since that day. Um, I dived into recovery, Um, you know, along the way during those first couple of years, it was just all about going to meetings, getting myself, you know, close to people that were in recovery, making a lot of changes in my life, including um, divorcing my husband, learning how to share my son. Um, which was, you know, difficult in itself, spending some time getting to know me, getting to know God, um, developing a relationship with him that was very personal. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really spent the first two years of sobriety focused on sobriety, going to meetings, um, secretary meetings, meeting with people Mm -hmm. and women and, um, going to church and just trying to really surround myself. I did CR, um, celebrate Mm -hmm. recovery. Yeah. For a year, I did the whole program and really just getting to know people that were struggling with the same thing that I was struggling with so that I didn't feel so alone. Mm -hmm. And that was probably one of the things that I didn't do early in my recovery. It was like, yeah, I went to meetings. I kind of said what I needed to say to sound like I was getting it. But deep down, it was like, I didn't want to be an alcoholic. I mean, who wants to be an alcoholic, mm -hmm. really? You Mm -hmm. know, I mean... It's not something that, you know, I strive to be, but that is what I was. And until I accepted that, um, my recovery really wasn't going to be successful Mm -hmm. um, until I was able to accept that every morning that I woke up and I learned that this, you know, sobriety with anything, it's one day at a time, Mm -hmm. you know, you just take things one day at a time. And that's how I live my life today. When I wake up in the morning, I thank God for another day of sobriety. Um, I thank him for the blessings in my life um and you know I just put one foot in front of the other Mm -hmm. I don't really stress about the future a whole lot anymore I you know I think about the past but the past is the past Mm -hmm. and I just try to live in the moment and I make you know the best choices that I can and now I've reached a point where I'll be six years sober in September congratulations thank you um and I feel like I'm able to use my story to help others Mm -hmm. um you know I I feel like as a teacher sometimes um you know people it's taboo for me to share so much personal information Mm -hmm. but at the same time you know I wish I would have had somebody when I was in eighth grade or any of those years Mm -hmm. who struggled with alcohol or drugs and they they talked about it and they yeah. were more open about it. I think in this day and age where drugs are just so readily available, mm-hmm. whether it's prescription or things that you get off the street, I mean, now marijuana, you can just, you yeah. know, go to a store mm-hmm. and buy. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine if That's it was that way yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just yes. so Oh serious. my goodness. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's different now. And um, I think that we need people talking about Mm -hmm. these things more openly, um, so that, you know, our younger generation knows that you can live life sober. I mean, I, there's no way I could go back to that life. I mean, you know, by Mm -hmm. the grace of God, I, I won't ever. Um, but it's, I have more fun than I ever had drinking. I laugh. I, I go to concerts. My husband and I, who my husband now is is sober, and he's been sober the entire time that I have known him. Um, we just celebrated our fourth anniversary this summer, and, you know, we have never been drunk together. Yeah, You know, we have, I, I mean, we have sober sex. Like, we yeah. have, everything is, mm-hmm. is... In the moment, it's real. It's we are fully present for everything, and we do everything that you could possibly do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just went to the, the pitbull concert at the fair, and we were dancing and mm-hmm. singing with my you know nine and a half year old son, and just completely having a good time. Yeah, and that's just what life's about for us now. Um, life is just about having a good time and having a strong family unit, and um, just living life one day at a time the best that we can yeah um so you know that's kind of a a little gist of my story there's definitely some Mm -hmm. dramatic episodes (laughs) within that but you know not everything you get the yeah kind of gist of it what does
1: so now since you've been sober for the last six years which is amazing by the way Mm because that's such a feat um, what has it looked like for you? Has has there been moments of struggle within those last six years of, like, I want to do this, but I'm not going to? Or how, how has that been?
2: Yeah, so I I would say mostly early on. Like, the first probably two to three years. So, like, the fair I just talked about. Mm-hmm. So the fair was one of those places where, like, I could not go. Okay. I grew up going to the fair, but then that moment that you can finally drink at the fair, it's like this amazing thing right Mm -hmm. i mean that's what we think when we're younger because we grew up going to this our Mm -hmm. parents all drank at the fair and Mm -hmm. um you wanted to be a part of jimmy's you know and that was a place that i just could not go um because i spent so much time there from the time i was 21 and and whatnot drinking and lots of things happened there and you know i love concerts and it was just one of those places where you you, it's like a high school reunion Mm -hmm. you run into people and it's I just wasn't ready, you know, for that. And so that was like a place I couldn't go. It would be a trigger. But, yeah, there's, you know, moments of those times where I have to give Wesley, we, my son, um, we share him 50-50. It's always been like that week on, week off. Um, And there have been moments where that was hard. It was hard for me to um, really adjust to that because I was missing out on 50% of his life. Mm -hmm. And I... You know, there there was a point, probably about a year and a half into my sobriety, where Wesley was starting kindergarten, and I was bombed. Like I wasn't going to be a part of all of this. You know, it, yeah. it wasn't. I had one child, and that was all I was going to have, and I was only going to be fifty percent a part of his mm-hmm. life. And um, based on the choices that I had made, and um, and whatnot, and um, I had a lot of guilt for that because I wasn't, you know, always with him. Um, my Even though I was starting to see somebody else and my ex was seeing somebody else and my son was going to have a stepmom, um, that was huge. That was a really hard thing for me. So I went through this period of time um, struggling with that, and I, I met this woman um, in recovery, and she taught me about perspective. And I was struggling really bad one day about, you know, having Wesley was gone and just not being a part of what was going on. And this new woman, and she sat me down and she said, you know, there are some women who they have kids and they don't want to be moms. God has given you a gift that you want to be a mom. Mm -hmm. and you get to be a mom. He's put you here to be a mom, whether it's for 50% of the time, 25% of the time, 100% of the time, you get to be a mom, and you have those feelings of missing your son Mm -hmm. when he's not there. That's a gift. She's like, you could be one of those people that's like, eh, whatever. Mm -hmm. You you could not want to be a mom. You could just say, well, he was an accident, and I don't want to. And she changed my perspective on things to look at the positive. You know, those those weeks that I don't have him, to focus on me and my recovery, my relationship with God, to, you know, develop this relationship that I was starting to have with um, the man that's now my husband, to start looking at things a little bit differently during those weeks instead of just focusing on, oh, I don't have my son. Mm -hmm. And I think that that word, which is, um, I started a blog about that. Um, that word perspective has been probably one of the most instrumental words in my sobriety, just looking at things differently, looking at life differently, just from a different perspective. Um, trying to always find the positive in everything. Um, knowing that there's a lesson and a blessing in everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, as cliche as that sound, it's, it's very true. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, you know, sometimes those lessons are a blessing. So you Mm -hmm. get, you get both. So I, I would say that that was probably the biggest moment of struggle, but you know, lately, no, I would say probably in the last two years, I haven't really had any desire to, to drink in, in any sort of way. Um, sure. Life isn't perfect. We go through hard times, but it's not my answer. Yeah. That's amazing because I'm thinking I know that you've been
1: through such hard times um, mm-hmm. just recently with Lanny and all yeah. of that and so I it's amazing to hear that that hasn't even been
2: yeah uh, no a, I, I, a moment
1: because I know I've talked to some people who have struggled with addiction and who have been sober and still will say you know ten years later that still is something that when they hit a hard spot like you did mm-hmm. that they have to fight off so that's incredible yeah. to hear that that wasn't wasn't even there.
2: No, I, you know, when Lanny had his accident, um, and, you know, was in a coma for a a month, um, and, you know, we spent 55 days, um, away from home and in the hospital, and I wasn't sure if he was going to live or, or die, and, you know, I, I did, you know, question, like, why, like, I remember sitting with my mom and crying and going, why, like, my life is finally, like, in this place that's so good and I found this man that I love so much and he's, you know, my best friend and, um, how can God just take him from me now in this moment? Like at this point in time, um, and she just kept telling me he's going to pull through. He's strong. He's going to pull through. And I think any parent, you know, Mm -hmm. would be saying that, but I I can tell you that you are never prepared for a situation like that, um, and you just do it. I mean, God was my strength. He, he was the person I cried to at night when I finally rested for a few hours. Um, he was who I prayed to in the morning. Um, when I woke up and was ready to go see my husband, I read to my husband from daily scriptures, um it, it was it was God I leaned on God um, I leaned on a lot of other people but at the same time God was truly my strength mm-hmm. because um, I knew that there was going to be no human power that was going to save mm-hmm. him yeah it was it was gonna be God and um, I truly believe that I think God has blessed the doctors that worked with him um, with the amazing ability for what they do on a daily basis those doctors were amazing um but just There were so many little God shots along the way in that, but no, alcohol was not something that I was like, oh my gosh, I I need to go drink. Um, So I think I posted something on Facebook along the lines of, um, like, I would drink right now if it wasn't Mm. for my strength and sobriety. Yeah. Um, Because, I mean, really, what would you, I I mean, a lot of people would do that, even if you're Mm. not an alcoholic, just handling stress. Yeah, that could be a time, Yeah. yeah, Yeah. that's Um, exactly right. But no, I that was not that was not the first thing on my mind. I, the first thing on my mind was to be completely present for my husband and um, being there every step of the way. yeah, that's yeah. amazing. so I'm wondering
1: um if you could elaborate a little bit on how your journey with God started because so you went to you started going to church with your ex yes right so how did that transpire how did you guys come to that place
2: so my in-laws um his brother and and his wife went to ABC here in um Atascadero and invited us to go when I was pregnant and I you know, was like, oh, okay, yeah, we can start going and probably be a good thing. And mm-hmm. so I just kind of went listening and, and I went and I listened and I wasn't really sure. Um, I hadn't really gotten into recovery yet. And mm-hmm. that whole, you know, process of trying to find God, like in step yeah. three, um, you know, step two, I went, I just listened and I, it didn't touch me at that time. It, mm-hmm. it didn't reach me at that time. Um, but after Wesley was born, um, and I got into recovery um I was probably about 2 months sober and um I was working my steps and my um ex-husband and I were going to get back together. Okay. Um I had been living on my own with mm-hmm. with the baby and um you know I was supposed to stay for a year without living with my, with my ex. And, you know, we all make decisions Mm -hmm. and that was probably one of them that wasn't the best. Um, but you know, after two months of moving out, getting all my stuff into my own apartment, um, I moved back Mm -hmm. and I, you know, told him that I wanted to talk to somebody about, you know, Jesus. And so we actually met with Mitch so I met with him, and um, we talked. We talked about where I was in my sobriety. We talked about just what I believed. And um, on that day, and and I don't know the political correct way to say it, but on that day, I I, I believed. I told him I believed in Jesus, mm-hmm. and I accepted Jesus um, as my Lord and Savior. And um, from then on, my journey has been a rough one you know you just don't accept jesus and um or you know say that you believe in jesus and everything is perfect and oh this light shines and no it was it was a struggle and i had moments of doubt and um do i really believe this and you know is god really for me and Mm -hmm. and i went through all of that and i I I think that along the way, God has shown me um, who he is and um, how powerful he is. I mean, even more so recently with what we went through with my husband. But I just, you know, kept going. I used people around me, um, you know, that were in the church. And I dived into the Bible and started reading and started studying and mm-hmm just started trying to figure out um who he was what he was about what were his character traits and just Mm -hmm. trying to get to know him I mean just like I would with any character in a book I mean I teach Mm -hmm. English so it's like when you want to get to know a character it's like what does the author say about him and what were these people saying about Jesus who was he and um Mm -hmm. you know do I really believe in that and how has he shown himself in my life? And there are so many different things along the way, um, you know, women's retreats and, and other things that have helped, um, just shape, um, who I am and, you know, add a little bit extra to my faith. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you hear people's honest testimonies, you know, I mean, there's just something about, you know, mm-hmm. seeing God in them. Yeah. And, um, cause I see God in other people all the time. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, just little things along the way that I call them God shots. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, God just revealing, you know, himself to me like, Hey, that was me. And it's like, yeah, I know, you know, um, little things like that. So it's been a long journey and I don't even think that I've arrived. You know, you hear that phrase, mature Christian, like, I yeah. am definitely. What is that? Not, <laughs> I am not a mature Christian, you know. Um, I'm not sure what I, that is. I'm not sure either. Um, I am definitely an evolving Christian. Yeah. You know, there's something that I've always said. It's I don't need God because I'm perfect, or I don't need Jesus because I'm perfect. I need them because I am not. Mm-hmm. I'm a sinner. I I am lost, and I need direction, and yeah. that's why I need God. So many people believe that. You know, people that believe in God and and Christians and, you know, like they have this holier-than-thou attitude. Mm -hmm. No. Like, I am the first to tell you I was lost. Isn't it
1: amazing, though, how, like you're saying, we don't know what we need Mm -hmm. until we are at our bottom and there's no one else. So I love these kind of stories because it's like, yes, that the way that you grew your faith and the doubts and the journey and... Just struggling with it, you know, like the growing pains of of being a Christian. Right. It's like that's so amazing because that's so real. That's the way any relationship works. When you think about like when I first met my husband and we went through a lot of stuff too, it's just like that. Right. It's, you know, and I think a lot of Christians think, well, we just read the Bible. Well, no, the relationship is still like any other relationship and it's growing and it's painful. And if we don't hit our bottom, if we don't have stories like yours, we don't know that we need a savior. Why would we need mm-hmm. one? And where would that experience come from? Right. And that to me is, is fascinating. And I do think, I mean, I shouldn't say I think I know, there are a lot of Christians that, that do portray that holier-than-thou and we're perfect and things like that. And make it hard to come yes. into, you know, being accepted in the Christian world. Right. Um, but it's stories like yours and Desiree's and things like that that it's like okay these are the people that when you find those Christian people
2: mm-hmm. you're
1: like no we know and we've been there come on in we know right. that we're all, we all need Jesus you know Jesus <laughs> right. fix it please right. but but we do need that so it's it's true to yeah. find that that balance and that that actual relationship with Him is yeah. amazing. What role do you think the support of the church played for you in your sobriety? <laughs>
2: Um, I, CR celebrate recovery Mm -hmm. is an amazing program. And I met some amazing women, um, in that program. Some who I still talk to today, um, and working through, um, the steps, um, are basically the same steps as in AA. There's just a biblical verse that goes Mm -hmm. along with it. Um, because if you actually trace back Alcoholics Anonymous, um, before Alcoholics Anonymous, like the book was Mm -hmm. actually written. They were reading the Bible. Okay. So, so it's kind of going back to the roots. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and people, there's a lot of debate about that. But if you go to, um, you know, some of the, the past history and you look it up and you read it, that's what they were reading. I mean, they didn't just pop Alcoholics Anonymous, the big book, out of the air. Yeah. Like they wrote it, <laughs> yeah. you know. But they also wrote it in a way for anybody, to be able to grasp it Mm -hmm. um so if you were you know mormon you were um catholic you you know you didn't believe you were an atheist i mean all of those things that they made sure that that book was available to anybody from any religion so and and i get that you Mm -hmm. know um because the goal was obviously to get people to stop drinking Um, now, you
1: did AA first for a while. I right? did. Did you yeah. do CR for a while first, or was that when you were actually starting to hit recovery hard? Yes, when I okay.
2: started to hit recovery hard, and so I started. I, I started CR. Um, I actually I tried it before my this last sobriety. I did mm-hmm. try it, but I didn't like go a whole lot. Yeah, you fully but I went this when I first got sober. This time, the first I would say after six months, I started going. A new class started, and I died right in and I did the complete program um and completed all 12 steps and you know um there were bumps along the way the woman who I told my fourth step to so you know Mm -hmm. you do your fourth and fifth step and it's basically about resentments and you are admitting a lot of the the things that you did to hurt people Mm -hmm. I I mean you're basically confessing your your sins and I mean um, lack of a better term And I, I was doing this in AA with a woman and then I, I was doing it in CR with a Christian woman and after, um, I shared with her, she no longer wanted to be a part of my sobriety. The Christian woman? Yeah. Mm. Wow. Um, and. Isn't that sad that that doesn't surprise me? Um, that, that's, yeah. Yeah. So I was a little taken back by that, um. Because I felt like I was so honest with her, and now Mm -hmm. she knew all of these things about me, and she judged me Mm -hmm. for them. Yeah. Which was exactly... She was in the program, right? She was in the program. She went to the church. Um, Yeah, she was in sobriety. So that Um, was her role. (laughs) Yeah. And she just told me that some of the things that that I had told her that she really um, found to be, for lack of a better word, very bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she couldn't support me anymore and knowing Mm -hmm. what i had done and i was just like wow yeah so much for forgiveness right
1: yeah what a what a like stumbling block almost to have it be like how do i move forward from this
2: now yeah and i had had um you know when my husband and i were going through the church um you know and i was first getting involved in abc and um there was a pastor and his wife that we you know worked very close with we were part of their community group Um, and when I was thinking about, you know, divorcing my husband because I, you know, I had just started sobriety, um, like this last time I had Mm -hmm. just started, um, you know, I was realizing that our relationship was just not going to work. Like he wanted to drink. I didn't like, he wasn't understanding the whole process of, of AA. He was going to, you know, Al-Anon, but then, you know, would say things against me and then, The pastor told him he didn't need Al-Anon because he knows God. And so Mm. he doesn't need a program. And it's like, that's not really what Al-Anon's for. So there was that. And um, I sat down with the pastor's wife um, one day at her house. And I told her that, you know, I really don't think I can be married to Mm. my husband anymore. And she said, well, you know that if you leave him, that you'll have to leave the church. Because only Mm. one person gets to stay.
1: Only one person gets and, to stay. And um,
2: it's typically, you know, the person, apparently, who it, according to who doesn't file. Yeah. Right. And so she said, so, you know, you'll be giving up your relationship, your marriage. Um, you'll have to figure out, you know, the whole custody, you know, mm-hmm. sharing a child. And you'll have to find a new church. Which which means, which is the funny thing, because a new church means friends, community, mm-hmm. a new life. Mm-hmm. And so this was actually before that had happened with the woman in CR as well. Okay. And, um, I was just kind of like, wow, okay. So I, that, that was a bitter pill, pill Mm -hmm. to swallow. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, by that November, so I believe I was about two months into my sobriety, um, knowing that if I was really going to do this, I couldn't stay married, Mm -hmm. um, to this man and, live the life that we were were trying to live, and I was just going to have to do it, and so by November, I was moved out and living on my own, had filed for divorce, and then come to find out the church um, helped pay for my husband's lawyer, Mm, you know, yeah, (laughs) and so you know, there's, and I'm thinking, wow, that, that's all the money that I tithed and, you uh-huh. know, the things that they got, that's what they used, yeah. um, the money for. And, um, did you, were you still going to CR? I was. So you, so you weren't going to church anymore, no, but
1: you were going but to, I CR. Went to CR. How was that experience? Were you still accepted and taken yeah. in there?
2: I mean, not a lot of people knew like what was going on with, um, Like, that whole, uh, with the pastor and and Mm -hmm. his wife. Um, But I was, you know, so involved in CR at that time, and um, I really liked the program, that Mm -hmm. I did stay. Okay. And I did work through that. But then that issue happened with um, the lady. And I I still continued my my year there at CR um, and going. Um, But I was pretty much burnt by... Mm -hmm that that church at the at the same time um not so much the church but a few people in in the church yeah which is what it is how
1: was how was your faith impacted like did that cause more
2: doubt and worry oh so much i went through probably the most doubt that i've gone through in in my walk like Mm-hmm. This is what Christian people are like. Yeah. And um, I didn't understand how, what their definition of grace and forgiveness were compared to um, what it was in the Bible. I just, I, like, it just didn't match up. Like, I was super confused. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah, I had a lot of doubt. And maybe church isn't for me. And yeah. What I realized along the way, though, I did start going to a church in Paso to stay connected because I realized it was my relationship with God. It was my personal relationship with Jesus that I needed to worry about, not my relationship with a church or, or anything. You and know? at any point, did you feel like
1: you were telling God, is this you? Like, or, is this what you want and need? Or did you just know, like, no,
2: this isn't God, so I'm going to move past these people? I, I don't know I think I just knew that I needed God I, I there was just that that yearning inside of me that still needed to feel connected okay. um and so I did start going to another church and slowly but surely you know I just I didn't have friends there um my new husband had actually started going there when we started dating he started going there with me and We just didn't feel a connection at that church, you know, and we would go and we would listen to the messages and and my husband is very, um, is a strong believer and he's very diligent in his reading every morning. I mean, even to this day, he he reads every morning and he prays a lot and I feel like sometimes I fall short in in those areas and he is very strong in those areas. We just kind of stopped going. Like, it, it was just one of those things where I was so resentful, I think, and just didn't want to personally invest in another church um, and then be Mm -hmm. hurt again. Mm -hmm. I didn't trust the people in the church telling them about me, telling them about my struggles. So even though we went there, we weren't really actively involved. We would go, we'd listen to the sermon, and, and we would leave. I didn't communicate with people. I, you know, I think my son went to BBS for a week there, and I volunteered in the kitchen, and still, like, I was not going to tell anybody, like, about me, yeah. you know, and what I had been through. And here I've been divorced twice, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, a recovering alcoholic, and, you know, I just I wasn't gonna put myself out there again. Yeah. Um, I feel that. But you know, after Lanny's accident and some things that the church at ABC have changed, and um, we, I have a couple close friends at ABC, some great people that have always been there um, for me, even through all of the the hard stuff and because of the changes that took place at the church and we've gone back there we've you know i I think god wants us to forgive a a big shift happened in that Mm -hmm. church not too long ago and um almost a divide and the people that that left that church obviously were were people that had impacted my Mm -hmm. my walk in in a negative way and yet they taught me like what a christian Mm-hmm. isn't supposed to be mm-hmm. you know I, so we've we've gone back to that church we have found a nice home there and we feel comfortable there do i feel like i want to invest like myself in there not yet Yeah. you know i'm still getting there but we have a great we started the marriage mentor program just because we want to get closer to god mm-hmm. and um you know god first yeah we'll grow closer not that we have a horrible relationship or anything like that or major problems. We just really wanted to get in touch with God and bring that more into our, our marriage, especially after the accident. Yeah. And, um, so we've been doing that and it's been awesome. They're great people and we love working with them and, and just talking with them. And they're already talking about us being marriage mentors. And I mean, my husband's eyes are like, what do you mean? Like,
1: (laughs) like, wait, I was just doing this. Right. Right.
2: Um, so it's, you know, I mean, it's been a really good experience to go back there and I love seeing a few of the, you know, the people that have, have watched me since I you know, even before I was through. sober, yeah, I love seeing their faces and their reminders of what Christians are well, and I, I love that, I think that's so
1: important for us to say that despite how it went with that woman and the way that the pastor's wife and all of that went down, it sounds like there were a few people, oh yeah, in there throughout that whole time that, like you just said. We're actually showing Jesus to you mm-hmm. but we see we get caught on those big things and yeah. as we should I mean honestly because that's at that moment for me too it was at that moment of this is the authority yeah you know which <laughs> was even harder especially when you're going through CR and things like mm-hmm. that and you're trying to listen to what I need to do to get my life together right. and the authority comes in but it's so neat to hear that there are people you know and and I think that's important to say for those people yeah. that have been through things like that there are people when you look there are people still there. They might not be as boisterous as the right. others, but right. they're there. And there are people who will show you,
2: no, this is actually Jesus, you know, yeah. in person kind of thing. And yeah. that's important. And and these people, I actually I talked to, um, you know, they're it's a it's a couple, and um, you know, I met them when um, my son's dad and I actually decided to try marriage mentor program there and they were our marriage mentors and Mm. some things happen where you know my ex-husband didn't really mesh well and didn't like the whole you know homework and reading and all Mm. this kind of stuff that we had to do and this couple was just I thought amazing and they were genuine people and I have Always just admired them both and I can say like they are my favorite couple I love them um aside from the marriage people that we were working with now they're (laughs) awesome (laughs) too so I mean you know I I have come to to find some great Christian people that that I love and And at the same church that's such a redemptive Mm
1: -hmm. story Mm -hmm. um I I love that such a redemptive story I'm curious what you think people that are wanting to help so say that there are people in the churches that are wanting to help in situations like yours and maybe don't understand or people like the couple like that has been there through it all what things can they do to help people that are in similar situations like that what are the things that
2: they should you think would be most helpful for them to help someone so, like, if somebody like me were to come up and I have this issue, mm-hmm. and um, I, you know, the first thing is, is it's. I think if you don't have an understanding of what addiction and sobriety is, and what the struggles are that people face on a daily basis that struggle with alcohol, alcoholism, drug addiction, I think you need to refer them to somebody that does. Mm. I, I do I think they need to talk to somebody Who has been through it
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, Because there is And, and it, it says so in the big book There is something about one alcoholic Talking to another mm-hmm. It's just like if you know, you're know you somebody Who um, maybe has been sexually abused Talking mm-hmm. to somebody Who has been through the same thing as you it, it, There is something different You have this common bond already There's this safety mm-hmm. And I truly think that that is like the first thing you have to do you have to get them somebody who understands where they're coming from now could um, this look like even a friend
1: like if you went to a friend at the beginning and was was trying to ask for help or what do i do would that be
2: like if the friend doesn't understand get yeah. them someone yes okay yeah and and that has happened numerous times over um you know the course of my sobriety where i will get messages you know hey i have a friend who is struggling i don't know how to help them Um, you know, would you mind talking to them? And I've done it several times actually. Mm. And you know, that's, that's part of being in recovery. You're, you're giving back, you're, you're sharing your experience, strength, and hope with somebody else. Mm. Um, whether they choose to listen, I totally get it because in the beginning I didn't listen either. You know, um, I didn't Mm -hmm. take what everybody was saying and, you know, really like, okay, yeah, you know, I I get it. Mm -hmm. Um, It was more, you have to put yourself in a position where you're ready. And whatever that is, like my rock bottom was sitting there at that breakfast table with a group of mentally insane or Mm -hmm. or dysfunctional people. And I was one of them. And oh my gosh, you know, this is my life. And okay, you know. So I have a three year old. Yeah. Um, And, you know, this is who his mom is going to be. Yeah, you know, I didn't I didn't want that um, mm-hmm. for him. I didn't want that for myself, and, you know, I didn't really want to die. Mm-hmm. I just needed mm-hmm. to learn how to live sober in a world that is surrounded
0: by alcohol. Yeah. And I have a question about that. So someone who I love dearly in my family is and has been struggling with alcohol. Right now he's in a rehab facility for... second time but he's gotten in a lot of trouble and he's had a lot of chances and he he's trying to learn and he's he's he believes in God and he's really trying and I can see he's trying but what can I do as someone who's close to him that loves him that wants the best for him to not enable him but not totally step back and say this is all you you know
2: you know, that's, there is that, that fine line, um, because you don't want to enable somebody, um, obviously, that has been struggling and, you know, goes through these patterns, because the that part of enabling, and that's what Al-Anon is really good for, um, you kind of learn those boundaries. Um, Can we ask what Al-Anon is? I don't know if you know So, that, Al-Anon know. is for, um, basically family or friends of an alcoholic okay yeah so you 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 have an alcoholic in your life or or an addict in your life and it's basically learning how to to deal with that and and you know I take that like blame off of yourself like if my mom were to go like Mm -hmm. she learns that it is not her fault that i am an alcoholic you know and there are certain things that that she can do um and, and learn to not enable me, okay. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got to let me walk my path, make my mistakes, and, and not feel guilty about that. Yeah. Okay. You know, she can't save me. Absolutely. You know, I've got to want to do it myself. And the, the same thing, you can't save them. There's nothing that anybody can do for somebody um, who is in their disease or, you know, within the midst of alcohol or drug addiction to save them. There's, there's nothing. You can pray for them. Yeah. You know. Um, You can tell them that. You know, unless you decide to change your life, um, I I feel like I'm on that that show. um, What is that show? Intervention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, you, you can tell them that. You know, you're you're there for them. If they decide to change your life, there's nothing that you wouldn't do for them if they're going to make the right choices, but you can't support their their life because you can't watch them die. Mm -hmm. You can't watch Mm -hmm. them slowly kill themselves. It truthfully, for people that struggle, I think it boils down to acceptance. And and that's just my opinion. And maybe that's my opinion because that was my story, accepting that I was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Saying those words like, I am an alcoholic. You know, you go to meetings and you say them, but do you believe that? You know, did I believe that? Did I want to be that? No. And that was probably like one of the the things I had to get get past was, okay, this is who I am. It's not who I am, but it is a part of me. And I have to accept that. And so that means I have to live my life in a different way than, Mm -hmm. you know, so-and-so. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get to go out and drink like, you know, this group of people because it affects me in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and learning to accept that is probably the most difficult thing. And, and once you can do that, I think that, that people are ready, more ready to, you know, change their life, but it's really finding that acceptance who wants to be different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody does. And I think we fight that within ourselves. It's a battle within ourselves of we're different. We are. And, um, you know, society and your friends and everybody looks at you differently because you don't drink. And it took me a long time to get over that. And even while I was staying sober, to just feel comfortable in my own skin knowing that I'm an alcoholic and... You know, someone's is gonna talk about me because I don't drink and I have a problem. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it makes me like some sort of leper. Mm-hmm. No, you know, it's just something that I struggle with. Mm-hmm. Everybody struggles with something, mm-hmm. and that's one yeah. of my struggles. I've embraced it and I've accepted it, and um, now I I live my life to make sure that I protect it
0: because yeah. without
2: my sobriety,
0: I I wouldn't be,
2: you know, who I am today.
0: Yeah, and I feel like sobriety's taken so lightly now because it's alcohol is just everywhere drugs are known so nonchalant and yeah. it was like I think it was six years ago one of my older brothers sat down and it was me and I think two of my other brothers and he goes when was the last time you had six months in between a drink my alcoholic brother was like probably before I started even drinking you know mm-hmm. and then My other brother was like, yeah, I'll have one, like, once a week, a beer, you know. And he goes, I can't remember the last time I had a drink six months apart. And it's like, you go out to dinner and you get a drink, you know. Mm -hmm. You are at a barbecue and there's beers or... I don't don't even know. I don't drink often, so I I don't know (laughs) what there is, but um it's like if someone you go on a date and someone offers to buy you a drink it's awkward to turn them down because yeah. then it's like oh you don't drink like and it's just part of the social scene
1: well and doesn't that start the conversation right away too uh-huh. yeah <laughs> like yeah, i guess you have to be very comfortable so, to share that story because as soon yeah. as that that could be someone you just met so mm-hmm.
0: automatically there's this distinction between you and then everyone else and it's like it's just a choice that I'm making whether I have a past or not. You know? right.
2: and, and that's where that acceptance and being okay with being an alcoholic has really made me a stronger person, a stronger woman, and accepting of myself is when I accepted that.
0: And Mm -hmm. I was okay
2: with telling people like, no, I I don't drink. You don't want to see me drink. I started kind of making light of it. Like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you you don't want me to drink, you know? Um, and that's, and I just had to slowly learn to be okay with that. And I think as my life has gradually just gotten better and better and better. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been. And, it just makes that like, this would not be possible without sobriety. Mm -hmm. So it just Mm -hmm. kind of like, it just hammers that, that nail of like, this is why we stay sober. This is, you know, this is why we don't drink. And it's just my Mm -hmm. life in general. It's, that is my, um, my inspiration. Do you sponsor people now? So, I don't. I actually don't go to a lot of AA meetings, and that's something I talk about on my blog. I I stopped going to AA meetings um, about, I would say, like, two, two and a half years ago. Okay. Um, Like, going regularly. regularly. I slowly started dwindling out. Some things happened, and just like any organization, anything, there's drama. Yeah. And there's cliques. You know, AA is not... um, Perfect, Mm -hmm. and I know there are people that go to three meetings a day, and and that's what they do, and they sponsor a lot of people, and that's great. That's what they need for their Mm -hmm. sobriety and how they feel like they're giving back. and And I don't judge them for that, just like they shouldn't judge me because you know I don't, yeah. Because I will tell you, meetings don't stay sober. I've been in numerous meetings where that person comes every single day, and he can't put two to three days together. Mm -hmm. Meetings don't keep you sober. It's a choice that I make on a daily basis. I could choose right now to go buy a bottle of wine and drink it. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. I choose not to. And I mean, it takes a long time to get to that point. And there's a lot more that goes with that. But I just don't think that meetings are the end all be all mm-hmm. of, of sobriety. I think that there there is other ways... Um, to do that in the beginning, do I think people need meetings and, and need a program and need a sponsor? Absolutely. Yeah. People need direction. Um, people need to be surrounded by people that have been through it. I -hmm. think once you kind of get on your feet, you're starting to really feel comfortable to the point where you can sponsor people. And, and I have in the past, and they haven't gone so well because you want these people to get it and get it and get it. And you have to remember like you were once in their shoes Mm -hmm. and you didn't get it. Um, and so it was hard for me. You, you get emotionally attached to these Mm -hmm. people and, then you start blaming yourself like, oh, I wasn't a good enough sponsor or Mm -hmm. I didn't do this, or maybe I caused them to drink. And there's a lot that, and I just wasn't, I I, I did it a couple of times and then I just wasn't ready for Mm -hmm. for that part of it. And so if somebody were to come up and ask me if they needed, that they needed help and and it's happened numerous times, I'm there. Mm -hmm. I will, I will come and I will talk to you. I will take you to a meeting. I will, do whatever it is that you, um, that I feel, you you know, you need, um, in order to help you. Um, and I, I would sponsor somebody. Um, I talk to a couple of people regularly about sobriety that are, you know, in their first couple of years and just share some experience, strength and hope with them. Mm -hmm. Um, but more as a friend, not as a sponsor. And I feel like sometimes that whole sponsor sponsee relationship It gets to be, like, almost like a business Mm -hmm. relationship. And I'd rather have a more personal relationship with somebody than just, like, I'm here to help you with your sobriety and you need to do what Mm -hmm. I say. Like, that's just not me. Um, Well, it seems like it would be more impactful to you. Yeah. And I just like that, you know, this person knows that I'm sober and she can call me with anything that she needs or she can text me with anything that she needs and we'll talk you know, um, you have a problem, you, you feel like drinking, she knows she can call me and and I'm there. Um, I, I think too, with me being so open about my sobriety, especially with my students and you know, um, writing my blog and people know like mm-hmm. I'm sober, I'll, I'll help you. Um, I can't tell you how many students have come up to me and, you know, I have somebody in my family or my mom or my dad struggles with alcohol and, you know, you, you sit and you, you let them talk. You let them let them vent. And you, you try to kind of like help them. And I check in on them all the time. And, you know, I think that I'm servicing people mm-hmm. using my sobriety just in a different way. Mm-hmm. Just not at a meeting. Not doing the typical sponsor thing yeah. that they do in AA. Yeah, but you're playing such a role. You know, it's, you're playing the role that, that you can role. play
1: in their lives. Right. And I love, I just love hearing how that is now, that something that you had a hard time saying, I'm an alcoholic, is Mm -hmm. now the thing that is like, people come to you for, Mm
2: -hmm. you know, that
1: God has put that as a part of your story, Mm -hmm. that it's like, now people come to me because of that, and I can help. I have a unique spot in the world that I can help people with, because that's a part of who I am.
2: Right, and there's so many people that aren't in meetings, who don't go to AA, Mm -hmm. that struggle, and, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, a student who, you know, I find out has you know, used, you know, and gotten suspended or, or whatever because of, you know, drugs or alcohol. And it's like, that's a chance for me to share a little bit of my story. And, and I've done that a couple of times, you know, with Mm -hmm. a couple of students that I felt close to. And it's like, you know, you don't have to live that life just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to. And I just feel like I, I'm giving back in a different way. Yeah, and and being more open. Not a lot of people are as open with their sobriety. They kind of keep it in the rooms mm-hmm. and whatnot. But the rest of the world, you know, needs to know that there are people that mm-hmm. struggle, get better, and and I feel like I'm using my voice to do that. So my story's out there. It's for anybody, you know, to read. To mm-hmm. obviously now to listen to. Yeah. So I'm doing it in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not so anonymous. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I just have to say, I think it's amazing and such a blessing that you're using um, your place, surrounded by all these kids that are in that spot in their lives that you were when you wish you had someone. Because I, that was the age when I wish I had someone also, and it's like mm-hmm. there's this path and if i had someone that would just speak a little truth into my life mm-hmm. because people try to shelter their kids oh no don't right. don't look over there you know <laughs> right and they try to try to guide them on the right path by putting up these barriers instead of like tearing down the curtain and saying that's what you want that's mm-hmm. how you want your future mm-hmm. and it's like talking to them openly and at, when they're at the age that they need it And not every kid needs it, but there are a lot of kids, and it's just such a blessing that you come openly and lovingly and say, I'm here if you need me. And that's it's those kinds of not only authority figures but teachers in my life that took the time to say, How are you doing? How is this person in your life? Like, Mm -hmm. I know you were having a hard time. Like, and those are the people I still remember. My one of my teachers, she would sit and talk to me for like an hour after class. And we got to the to the point where she would let me borrow her climbing shoes because she had <laughs> climbing shoes to climb with her daughter. She goes, here, borrow them to the end of the year. And it's like the the personal relationships make the biggest impact. Yeah, and that's what I like, the yeah. personal part. It's yeah. so cool that you're doing that. And
1: how neat that despite, I mean, that's that's also something that's so fascinating to me is that despite the road you were on, you went to school. You became a teacher.
2: Like, that still all happened <laughs> oh, yeah. to where now that's a unique my part of your story, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I was... And, and I do want to say, you know, I mean, especially in case, like, district personnel, like, listens to this. I, I mean, I, I was not somebody who went to work yeah drunk um, mm-hmm. or, you know, used at work or, or anything like that. Like, I always... I lived in in that fear of people finding out how bad I was, Mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, I I would you know show up hungover like early on in my teaching career but I was never like one of those like I drank during the day yeah mm-hmm. you know I always tried to like keep that set time like it you know mm-hmm. when five o'clock hits so you, you know you, you know care. what I'm saying like you you start developing these rules for your drinking and and I did that um so early especially once I got my job because you know I didn't I mean, how embarrassing would it be to be fired and, and all mm-hmm. that? I mean, I still lived with that, you know, that sense of, like, this could happen. But, you know, I mean, there were there were times where I, I did have to go in, and my dad went with me, and we went and saw human resources. And, and I, you know, I was like, hey, here's where I'm at. And mm-hmm. this was, you know, I, I, I need some time off. Like, I, yeah. I need to get sober. And I spent the latter part of a year um, on leave and, and got got my stuff together Mm. I mean to shortly relapse you know a year or so later but um now it's like when I um I get another chip like I've always been real honest with um the people that I work with like my principal and then the counselor who just recently retired and and I bring my chip and I show them you know and it's like hey and you know I mean she's always just somebody who I You know, I don't want to want to let down or, Mm -hmm. you know, I like sharing it with. Um, Keep myself accountable. Mm -hmm. I think the more I talk about my story, too, it holds me accountable Mm -hmm. because I've put this out there. And it it would be so devastating to have to admit to, you know, this world or or my small audience of people that, you know, yeah, you know, I drink again. I just don't want to have to do that, Mm -hmm. you know, or to say it to my kid, you know, because I mean, I'm very open with him as well. You know, he knows mommy doesn't drink. He mm-hmm. knows mommy was crazy when she <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you kind of yeah. keep it on, like, you know, the terms that he understands. Mm-hmm. But, he, you know, at his dad's house, it's very different. He sees them drinking. Yeah. He sees the alcohol. Um, you know, we'll walk through grocery stores, and, like, we saw a bottle of Sky Vodka, and he was like, my daddy puts that in his drink. And I'm like, oh. yeah." And I just, that's nice, yeah. you know. And I just keep on going,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it is what it is. You know, he's going to gonna see that but I will also be able to have that those talks I think at nine it's too young to really like Mm -hmm. get in too deep with it but at some point you know we'll Mm -hmm. we'll have that chat like this is why mommy doesn't do this and Mm -hmm. you know I have a a couple other alcoholics in my family I I think that it can be like a genetic Mm -hmm. thing and I want him to be aware of that you know Mm -hmm. so I mean we'll once that day comes you know we'll We'll talk about it, but he definitely knows mommy doesn't drink alcohol. Lanny doesn't drink alcohol, um, you know, and he's never seen it's just me drink. It, it is. It is. Yeah. 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 And so, like, when we'll go to the fair, so funny um you know he, he notices when people you know are are drunk and yeah um and he will say that's like, a good place to you know notice. right yeah and he did just the other day I mean he was like mommy did you act like that and, um, <laughs> and he always wants to know like what were you like you know? I love kids minds they're like let's <laughs> just, just ask uh-huh. did you act like that and I'm like well you know what did you do and you know I just tell him, mommy just was crazy you know she just acted crazy And that's just where I leave it for right now. One of the things you said was that you would wait, it would
1: be a rule, until 5 o'clock at night. I'm curious, did that play a part in your denial of thinking you were alcoholic? Because you could go without during the day and then would just be at night.
2: Yeah, I I think so. And, you know, but weekend hit and there was no 5 o'clock every, you know, it was (laughs) 5 o'clock at 9 a.m. I mean, yeah, I would think that that was more of, like, that functioning. I mean, even before, like, I was ever, like, that word alcohol, alcoholism was ever thrown my way. I mean, I was, I had, like, a set kind of schedule, you know, of, okay, you know, I I get up, I go to work, and then as soon as work is over, you know, I take care of what I need to do, and then... Mm-hmm. I can drink and yeah I think I, I lived by that for a long a long time I mean even like with school you know even at Cal Poly I, I mean mm-hmm. I, I went to classes I you know I, I got my stuff done I, I did all of my homework but that moment that I, I could drink it was on you yeah. know and, and then weekends were just kind of a free-for-all most weekends I spent you know from Friday night to yeah sometimes Sunday you know just drunk
1: What do you think um, That you want Christians To know in particular About addiction and Just this topic in general
2: It's just like anything I mean sexual addiction Food addiction Drug alcohol addiction People try to find A way to Numb whatever it is That's going on inside of them Or you know maybe possibly You know I mean there's not a lot of I, there are a lot of studies about it but whatnot but I mean it could possibly be a genetic disorder it, it could be a disease I, I don't I don't know mm-hmm. you know um but I think what I want them to know is like we're still human like that's part of our mm-hmm. imperfection you know yeah. that's that's part of the way that God has designed us mm-hmm. and in some way my sobriety my my addiction all of that God's given me a gift in it and it's just, like, you can see it and you can judge me and you can judge all of the things that I, I did, but that's fine, you know. Um, I look at it more as something that God's given me and now I use it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, as, a, as his testimony, as, as my own testimony, as a way to um, show that it's possible. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that judgment needs to be... To be smashed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe if they're in a position
1: like that woman was of hearing a story. Yeah. Just listen.
2: Yeah. You know, um, a sin is a sin, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we yep. all sin. And so yep. I sinned while I was drinking, mm-hmm. you know? And, and part of my sin, and, and even in the Bible, and I love that the church has addressed this before, is that they talk about, you know, certain things... Like, just because it's okay for somebody else doesn't mean that, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you should do it, yeah. you know? Um, because for me, alcoholism is something I can't do. Maybe you can have a couple glasses mm-hmm. of wine and stop. I can't. Yeah. So that's my, you know, my sin. But should I be judged for that? Maybe you can't go to the store and not spend, mm-hmm. you know, $1,000. Yeah. Well, I can, you yeah. know? I only buy on clearance. I, I yeah. mean, the, mm-hmm. everything, it's, it's kind of... You know, that's apples to oranges in Mm -hmm. in a certain sense, but it's the same. Mm -hmm. Like, we all sin. Why should you judge my sin more harshly than you judge somebody else's? Mm -hmm. So I just think, you know, when you live in a glass house, we don't throw stones, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And I, I think that it's not that I want people to be, to pity People that have drug addictions or alcohol addictions, we shouldn't be pitied. It's something that that we have and we just have to learn to, you know, live with it Mm -hmm. and and find ways to, to deal with it. What advice would you
1: give to someone right now that is struggling with alcoholism and has not, maybe not even gone the first time to get help, but just maybe listening to this is thinking, I need to do something. What advice would you have for them to act on it? Call somebody, like?
2: okay. um, anybody, and find somebody that has is struggling with it or has struggled with it. Even if you have to call somebody who has to call somebody. I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
2: find somebody to talk to. Don't. I, I think the most important thing to know is that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many people out there that have struggled and have recovered and that are willing to to help people, um, but don't suffer in silence, don't suffer alone, because you're not alone. And how can people find you and your blog and more of your story? So I do have a blog, it's called Perspective Changes Everything, um, so you can find it on the web, it's perspectivechangeseverything.com. I'm on Twitter under perspective. It's like at perspective805. Okay, um, and you can find my blog link there. And then I there's a Facebook page, perspective changes everything, okay. um, and you can find it there. So I I talk about you know I talk about sobriety. I talk about my perspectives on different things. Um, you know, like the ten words I live by. Mm-hmm. I talk about um, just random stuff mom stuff yeah. you know mm-hmm. I, I mean my blog is as I have started getting into the blogging world I've kind of realized like there's fashion bloggers and travel bloggers and food bloggers and you know mm-hmm. um I am not really a categorized blogger I guess yeah. you could say I my blog is just me it's just me mm-hmm. sharing things that I've been through things on my mind um things I've experienced sometimes just my opinion mm-hmm. um you know, it's it's just me. Um, yeah, and yeah. it's it's a
1: fantastic blog. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm subscribed to it. So again, it's she's Melissa Flickinger, and mm-hmm. it's PerspectiveChangesEverything.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and like she said, you can find her on Facebook with the page Perspective Changes Everything, and Twitter at yeah. Perspective805. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much You're for welcome. coming on. We were thank so glad to me. talk about all this and for being so honest and open. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for putting yourself out there. We yeah. appreciate that. And one of these days we'll have to have you on again. I know that, um, well, just the story with Lanny, there's so much more that you've been through that you have so much wisdom on. So hopefully we'll get to chat again sometime. But thank you for coming on today. Thanks for having me.